Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr.
get you on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Um, Nicole? All right, we're going to continue on on the George Wilder Jr. show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We were not on yesterday due to some other factors I will mention <laughs> because it's just kind of personal. What can I say? Anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we are here. I'm glad you're there. And tonight is the night Donald Trump will be giving the State of the Union address. Will anybody be listening? He will do it. And I'm already hearing that it's going to be a pack of lies. What can I say? Let's go to the phones. Yeah, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Yes, good evening, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was wanted to ask you, I can get from your general tone that you seem to not like the current president we have right now. And I just wanted to I mean, who does like, like him, man? Who does like him? Eighty percent of the American people can't stand him. A thirty five day shutdown with people suffered. No, you're right. I do not like him, and there's nobody in the world that's going to convince me to like him, and I'm not going to convince my audience who already do not like him to not like him. Of course, we've got that, and uh, that should be enough said. Thank you. Bye. Democratic Congresswoman Frederica Wilson of Florida. Congresswoman, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Good morning. So I want to just, before we get into the specifics of what General Kelly said, I just want to get your thoughts on everything that has transpired over the past 48 hours. This very public fight that you seem to be engaged in with President Trump and General Kelly. President Trump just last night, in case you missed it, at about 11 p.m., tweeted about you. He says the fake news is going crazy with wacky Congresswoman Wilson, a Democrat, who was secretly on a very personal call, and gave a total lie on content. What's your response to all of this? You know, uh, my emphasis today is on my constituents and helping them lay our hero to rest. That's where my head is today. And I'm also concerned about him and his last moments. I want to know why he was separated from the rest of the soldiers. Why did it take 48 hours for them to find him? Was he still alive? Was he kidnapped? What's going on? I thought you were supposed to put your comrade across your shoulder and get on the helicopter with the dead and the wounded. Why did they leave him? I am distraught and so is the family. There are so many questions that must be answered. And I have written a letter for an investigation. They keep saying to me, oh, we're going to give you a classified briefing. I can hardly wait for that classified briefing because I am concerned about my constituent today. And I am concerned that he is not able to have an open casket mm. funeral, and that is very painful to his family. Oh, all right. Thanks, everybody. Back to the George Wilder Jr. show. Like I said before, Donald Trump is about the union, and a lot of people saying they're not going to watch. I'm not going to watch. A lot of people are saying, well, it's going to be full of lies. 
all these things have done so far. Uh, no, I am not a fan, and I will never be a fan. Um, uh, we just have to wait and see what happens. Wait and see what happens. And let's see what else is here. Okay, that was some leaked schedules. All right, there were some leaked schedules uh, revealed that Donald Trump only works 40% of the time. 60% of the time, he does nothing. Well, actually, 60% of the time, he does not actually do nothing. If you want to say golfing, watching television, (laughs) getting in fights with his his staff, uh, you can say those kinds of things. But uh, uh, it says here... And it's been reported that he only works 40% of the time. And you know what? I believe it. I totally believe it. Um, So he's giving a State of the Union address tonight. And if you're watching it, fine. A lot of us are not going to watch it. A lot of us don't want to hear what he has to say. If there's there's anything that he's saying that's going to be representative of America. A lot of people are saying, well, Donald Trump is going to say the State of the Union is good. And we know the State of the Union is not good. We're, we're looking at another shutdown coming February 15th, and the only reason why he opened the government back up a few weeks ago or a week ago or whatever it was was to give this State of the Union address. After, it's, after this address is over, he, he's going to get with his uh, team, and they're going to figure – then they're going to shut the government down, try to shut the government down again for a wall. A wall that a lot of us know is a fake wall. There is no crisis on the border. Give me a break. There is no crisis on the border. The George Walter Jr. Show will be right back. In a stunning and unprecedented move, the New York Times is publishing a shocking anonymous op-ed from a senior Trump administration official. It is so unusual. It is so biting. It's such an indictment of the president. The only way to lay out the case this person makes is to read the entire thing to you. So here it is in full, the opinion piece in the New York Times. President Trump is facing a test to his presidency unlike any faced by a modern American leader. It's not just the special counsel that looms large or that the country is bitterly divided over Mr. Trump's leadership, or even that his party might well lose the House to an opposition hell-bent on his downfall. The dilemma, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know I am one of them, he writes goes on to say, to be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country. And the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. That is why many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. The root of the problem is the president's amorality. Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles. 
that guide his decision-making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideas long espoused by conservatives, free minds, free markets, and free people. At best, he has invoked these ideals in scripted setting. At worst, he has attacked them outright. In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the enemy of the people, President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Don't get me wrong, he writes. There are bright spots that the near ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture, effective deregulation, historic tax reform, a more robust military, and more. But these successes have come despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. From the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander-in-chief's comments and actions. Most are working to insulate their, op their operations from his whims. Meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. He engages in repetitive rants, and his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions that have to be walked back. There is literally no telling whether he might change his mind from one minute to the next, a top official complained to me, the writer, of course, recently, exasperated by an Oval Office meeting at which the president flip-flopped on a major policy decision he'd made only a week earlier. The erratic behavior would be more concerning if it weren't for unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private, they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained to the West Wing, though they are clearly not always successful. It may be cold comfort to this chaotic, in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room. We fully recognize what is happening, and we are trying to do what's right, even when Donald Trump won't. He goes on. The result is a two-track presidency. Take foreign policy. In public and in private, President Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators, such as President Vladimir Putin of Russia and North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, and displays little genuine appreciation for the ties that bind us to allied, like-minded nations. Astute observers have noted, though, that the rest of the administration is operating on another track, one where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished accordingly, and where allies around the world are engaged as peers rather than ridiculed as rivals. On Russia, for instance, the, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Mr. Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of a former Russian spy in Britain. He came, complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia, and he expressed frustration the United States for the United, that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its malign behavior. But his national security team knew better. Such actions had to be taken to hold Moscow accountable. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state, he writes. It's the work of the steady state. Given the instability many witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. But no one wanted to precipitate a constitutional crisis. So we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until one way or another, it's over. The bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. We exactly, exactly. All right, uh, this uh, State of the Union that's uh, about to get underway, I'm, I would think, 
uh, all eyes will be on Melana Trump's outfit. <laughs> Instead of Donald Trump's uh, dress, it's going to be on how she looks, the uh, her 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 the way she's dressed, the way she looks. Uh, a porn star, right? Wow, that's something. Uh, I don't know if that's going to uh, work out or happen, but it just says here that all eyes will be on Milana's, uh the way she dressed, her dress or something, her wardrobe or something. Okay, poll, not uh, more than half will definitely vote against Trump. This is, oh, I've been hearing that for weeks and months that uh, his supporters are, uh, uh, have left him. But the core of his supporters, I'm pretty sure there's others out there, uh, but uh, they're saying the core of his supporters have left him. And we've been trying to tell them for weeks and months that this guy duped them. This guy is a con man. This guy is a, he can't even spell Hamburg. My God, (laughs) he can't spell hamburger. This guy is definitely uh, a con man. He duped them. Uh, There's no doubt about that. A lot of them are voicing their concerns about that. They are saying that they are, are disappointed in him, but Trump, the Republicans, they don't give a damn. They don't care. He's president. We're not, right? Anyway, the State of the Union is uh, addressed tonight. I'm not going to watch it a lot. I know a lot of Americans say they're not going to watch it either. So there's no doubt about it. We will, we will be hearing tidbits uh, of it after uh, it's over, but I'm also hearing that a lot of Americans will not watch the State of the Union, but they will they will watch the Democratic response AFT has given his uh, his address, if you want to call it that. Uh, a lot of people are expecting a bunch of lies, but anyway, uh, uh, a lot of people are going to be uh, tuning in to the rebuttal given by. The Democrats, and I, and I think it's be, going to be given by Stacey Adams, a one-time um, um, candidate for governor, uh, nominee for governor, I believe, of the state of Georgia. She lost to a racist, okay? Um, so that's something to expect, the Democratic response. Uh, that They're saying that, that the Democratic response is probably going to get more views <laughs> – and more ratings than the actual address. Donald Trump's giving that address. And I believe that because I think the last time Donald Trump ad- addressed uh, uh, the nation, and that was a rebuttal that, uh, given by Pelosi and Schumer, the rebuttal got, a, got more uh, ratings than the actual speech uh, of Donald Trump did. And that will probably happen t- again tonight. Okay, Trump's early Mar-a-Lago trips cost $14 million. $14 million, his Mar-a-Lago trips to play golf. And that's taxpayer money. That is taxpayer money. Taxpayer money. That's something, isn't it? This is the border with Mexico. Here's what he tweeted today that the U.S. will be forced to close the southern border entirely if the obstructionist Democrats do not give us the money to finish the wall. The president owns the shutdown. Remember, he is the one who said this. 
I will shut down the government. Okay, Absolutely. fair enough. And we I am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. Well, he's got that right. And the blame is all his. Uh, but Nancy Pelosi clearly on the minds of top aides at the White House today. Watch this. She's unwilling to actually do anything until she gets her speakership. This all comes down to Mrs. Mrs. Pelosi's speakership. She does not have the votes, uh, and if she cuts a deal with the president uh, of any sort before her election on January 3rd, uh, she's at risk of losing her speakership. So we're in this for the long haul. It's a good talking point. They're all on message, but uh, they are wrong. House Democrats back in November overwhelmingly picked Pelosi to be their nominee A great new report came out in the Washington Post this week by Ashley Parker, who talked about the fact that President Trump's attacks on the FBI are shameful. The fired FBI director firing back after House Republicans haul him back for another closed-door hearing. Alone and angry. Hold up in the White House, Mr. Trump goes on an angry tweet storm against the Russia probe as Rudy Giuliani offers a confusing defense of his client-in-chief. Are they worried about new leads being followed by the special counsel? High-stakes info war. Powerful new Senate reports on Russian interference reveal the scope of Moscow's tampering with social media before and after the election, all aimed at helping President Trump. Stand by for new details on the tactics and the targets. And commander interference. President Trump hails a U.S. soldier charged with premeditated murder, calling him a military hero. New concerns tonight about the nation's leader intervening in a criminal case. We want to welcome our viewers in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer. You're in the Situation Room. This is CNN Breaking News. We're following breaking news on James Comey's blistering attack on President Trump and Republicans who refused to stand up to him. The fired FBI director saying Mr. Trump has lied constantly about the Bureau and has attacked the rule of law in his attempts to undermine the Russia investigation. Comey clearly fuming after a second closed-door hearing demanded by House Republicans before Democrats take control. Once a registered Republican, Comey says GOP lawmakers are being cowed into silence by the president, calling their failure to speak out an everlasting shame. I'll get reaction from Senate Democrat Daisy Hirono, a member of the Judiciary Committee, and our correspondents and analysts are also standing by. First, let's go to our senior congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. Manu, James Comey's frustrations with the president and with Republicans, they boiled over today. Yeah, they did blistering attacks from James Comey directed towards the president and Republicans after the president has launched attack after attack on the FBI, on the Mueller investigation. Republicans, for the most part, have not stood up to this president, James Comey, after sitting down with Republicans and Democrats as a part of a Republican-led investigation in the House for the second time, let loose and said the Republicans need to stand up because silence is not helping this country. The president of the United States is lying about the FBI, attacking the FBI, and attacking the rule of law in this country. How does that make any sense at all? Republicans used to understand that the actions of a president matter, the words of a president matter, the rule of law matters, and the truth matters. Where are those Republicans today? 
at some point, someone has to stand up and in the face of fear of Fox News, fear of their base, fear of mean tweets, stand up for the values of this country and not slink away into retirement, but stand up and speak the truth. I find it frustrating to be here answering questions about things that are far less important than the values that this country is built upon. Now, over the weekend, the president attacked his former attorney, Michael Cohen, calling him a rat and also questioning about how the FBI raided the office of Michael Cohen. He, the president said that he broke that the FBI broke in to Michael Cohen's properties. James Comey pushed back rather strongly at the president's attacks against Michael Cohen. This is the president of the United States calling a witness who has cooperated with his own Justice Department a rat. Say that again to yourself at home and remind yourself where we have ended up. This is not about Republicans and Democrats. This is about what does it mean to be an American? What are the things that we care about above our policy disputes, which are important? There's a set of values that represent the glue of this country, and they are under attack by things just like that. We have to stop being numb to it. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, you need to stand on your feet, overcome your shame, and say something. Now, before James Comey was fired, one reason why the president was frustrated with him is because Comey would not say publicly that the president himself was not under investigation. Now, in this closed-door meeting, I'm told uh, by a source familiar with the matter that this came up, and Comey defended his decision not to speak about this publicly, saying that the president appears to be under investigation right now based on public reports, and had he have made that declaration then, then the FBI would have to come out now and clean it up and say the president is under investigation, so he defended that decision in these closed or hearing earlier today. Manuel Comey also defended the FBI's investigation of President Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, after the president repeatedly attacked the bureau for the way it questioned Flynn. Now, tell us what happened. Yeah, Michael Flynn in, the, in her interview by those FBI agents in January 2017 has come under increased scrutiny by Republicans, conservatives, and by Flynn's own attorneys who suggested that it wasn't handled properly. But Flynn, uh, but uh, Comey today strongly defended it. I asked Comey if he handled that properly. He said he did. He said it's nonsense to criticize it, given the fact that, Co that Flynn himself pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about his interactions with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. And he also defended his decision, James Comey did, not telling his superior, Sally Yates, about the Flynn interview until the day it happened, saying if he had informed his, uh, her about this, then this, then Yates and Obama holdover would have been criticized for greenlighting an interview of the president's national security advisor. And Wolf, I also asked Comey if he had confidence in the current acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, who is overseeing the Mueller investigation, and he said that no comment, and he walked away. Wolf. All right, uh, Mano, thank you very, very much. Uh, let's uh, go to the White House right now. It's a bitter battle between James Comey and President Trump, clearly intensifying. Our, we're joined by our senior White House correspondent, our chief White House correspondent, I should say, Jim Acosta. Jim, any reaction there to Comey's scolding of the president and the Republicans? Uh, no, Wolf, uh, not yet, and that's pretty surprising given the, the past uh, that we know between the president and Jim Comey. The president has not been bashful about going after the uh, FBI director that he fired, and we've seen that on a number of occasions. Just that has not happened yet. I'm sure it's coming, but as you know, well, President Trump's legal team is scrambling to stay ahead of the latest twists and turns in the Russia investigation. The president and his outside attorney, Rudy Giuliani, are both beating up on the special counsel's probe, throwing punches in just about every direction, but it's the truth that seems to be taking a pounding. 
president's legal team isn't exactly spreading yuletide cheer when asked whether Mr. Trump will sit down with special counsel Robert Mueller in the Russia investigation. They're a joke over my dead body, but, you know, I could be dead. President's outside attorney Rudy Giuliani suggested, without any evidence, that Mueller's investigators are now digging deeper into Mr. Trump's past business dealings, complaining the Russia probe is now out of control. This is a witch hunt. They are going back now. They're going back to... 1982, 1983, they're going through business records. My goodness, they went from collusion to obstruction, no evidence, now campaign finance. Giuliani is speaking out of both sides of his mouth. When asked whether one of the president's associates, Roger Stone, gave Mr. Trump advance warning that WikiLeaks was about to dump damaging information about Hillary Clinton during the campaign, Giuliani said no, but then added it wouldn't be a crime either way. No. Not at all. Uh... I don't believe so. But again, if Roger Stone gave anybody heads up about WikiLeaks leaks, that's not a crime. It would be like giving him heads up that the Times is going to print something. Once the, the crime, this is why this thing is so weird, strange. The crime is conspiracy to hack. Collusion is not a crime. It doesn't exist. Giuliani also seemed to offer a new detail about the Trump Tower Moscow project. The president's former attorney, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to lying to Congress about the project, admitting discussions about the proposal lasted until June 2016. But Giuliani suggested that Mr. Trump may have had discussions which went on longer than that. According to the answer that he gave, it would have covered all the way up to November of Covered all into November of 2016. He said he had conversations with him about it. President hide this. While Giuliani hit the Sunday talk shows, the president worked over Cohen on Twitter, tweeting, his one-time fixer only became a rat after the FBI did something which was absolutely unthinkable and unheard of until the witch hunt was illegally started. They broke into an attorney's office. But that's not true. Cohen later said those federal investigators were courteous and professional. House Democrats are eager to hear more of Cohen's story when they take control of Congress next year. I'm hoping that Mr. Cohen will come before the Congress where he can tell the, the, the American public exactly uh, what he has been saying to Mueller and others without interfering with the Mueller investigation. The president spent much of the weekend airing his grievances about the Russia probe, blaming it all on former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, tweeting, Jeff Sessions should be ashamed of himself for allowing this total hoax to get started in the first place. With the president staying behind closed doors, acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker was one of several administration officials stopping by the White House. From outgoing Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, who's suddenly leaving the Trump team, to incoming Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney who has some explaining to do after this video surfaced from just before the 2016 election. Yes, I'm supporting Donald Trump. I'm doing so as enthusiastically as I can do. In fact, I think he's a terrible human being, uh, but the choice on the other side is just as bad. The president hasn't lashed out at Mulvaney, but he did vent his frustrations on Sania. Well, all right, uh, Jim Acosta at the White House, thank you. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the president and the Russia investigation right now. Our crime and justice reporter, Shima Prokop, has...
the godfather of soul, James Brown. And they're also saying back in 1996, his wife, they said his wife died. One of his wives, one of his girlfriends died. And they're saying that she could have been murdered also. Boom, 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 boom. And now they want to open. I mean, back in the day, I was, uh, I was, a. I mean, I, there was no James Brown fan as enthusiastic as I was over this guy's music. I was a diehard James Brown fan, fan. There was one time when I had, I had just about everything he recorded. Yeah. And, uh, um, uh, even things that went back to the fifties, I found out. I found them. I dug them up somewhere, and I bought. I purchased them. I was such a fan. I was such a fan of James Brown and his music. Later on, I became a fan of his music more so than I was a fan of James Brown. I dug his music more than I, you know, you know, was a fan of his. But in the beginning, I was a diehard James Brown fan. But as time went on, I became a James Brown, a James Brown uh, fan to the music, the instrumentals that he put forth, more so than his singing or screaming. Uh, yeah, because in the beginning it was James Brown. Uh, in the in the middle part of me being a fan of it, I think it was I was a fan of his the beat, the music, the groove that he had put together more so than him because he used to, he stopped singing. He was a good singer. At one time I discovered that James Brown was a really, really good singer, but he just didn't want to sing. <laughs> uh, he would grunt and scream and, and demand shit in his records and stuff like that. Uh, intimidate the, the band members and stuff like that, charge them 20, 20 bucks if they didn't call him Mr. Brown and all that kind of thing. Um, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of his behavior. I was a fan of his music. It was his music that tore me apart. I mean, I was a, I mean, like I said, folks, I had every record this guy made. I mean, I, a friend of mine once told me he said George if James Brown knew you had all his records he would probably make you king uh I mean I had I there was one time a, a, a female friend of mine was giving a party we were teenagers uh she was uh giving a party uh down in their apartment we lived in the same building and and she wanted to borrow some music some records you know so I guess someone told him that that I had a lot of uh, records and stuff like that, a lot of music. And she came, <laughs> she came up to my to our apartment, and she looked at my stash, and she said, "You ain't got nothing but James Brown. So you got a James Brown." <laughs> I said, "Yeah. So what? You want to borrow something? You know?" And but I was a true James Brown fan. I, I didn't know at that time. I didn't know anything about his behavior. I didn't know that he smoked. I didn't know. I thought he did not drink. I knew he wasn't gay. Um, but his erect, and I, I think I, I didn't know much about him. So I was such a fan of James Brown that I went to do a lot of research on it. And 
as I researched him, I pulled up a uh, pulled up a lot of things that were were not good. You know, him being uh, uh, arrested for stealing a car or, or something to that effect. He went to jail, and and that's what Bobby Bird found him, and they formed a group called the Famous Flames or something to that effect. And the rest is history. And then down the line, I'm hearing that he was very very cruel to women. He was a abuser of women. I mean, he really was uh, uh, abusive towards women, but I didn't like that kind of behavior, uh, shooting off his uh, uh, rifle in one of his businesses, uh, uh, giving the police uh, uh, chases that he was involved in, craziness. I wasn't a fan of all of that. I thought he was a I, I, I thought that he was a thug then and I think he, he was a thug. He's a thug now. But I still in some cases I'm still a fan of some of his music. Not so much of him. Personally his personal life stinks. He's a jailbird and he probably should have been in jail a long time ago. But I was just a fan of his music. That's it. That was it. A fan of his music and a fan, and I was a fan of uh, his dances. I, li- I liked his dance moves. But personally, his life, things are going on in his life. Personally, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't. I still don't care. You know. Uh, but I was a, a a really, really diehard James Brown fan. And to find out that he uh, may have been murdered instead of. Instead of it being heart failure, I mean, that's a blow because I heard it was heart failure. And then, then, then some people say it was a heart attack that killed him. But I do know that there's a difference between heart failure and a heart attack, you know. And uh, so uh, I don't know. And uh, they're, they're saying that um, there should be an investigation into his death, because a lot of people felt he was given something, a pill or, or some sort of uh, poison, and uh, that killed him. It wasn't heart. It wasn't a heart attack. It wasn't heart failure. It was um, maybe a drug or something that someone gave him and, and uh, killed him. I remember he died on Christmas Day, Christmas morning. Yeah, he was. It, <laughs> yeah, uh, the the way the media uh, really reported on his death on the day he died, the morning he died, it was like they had him looking all wild and crazy and the, the Godfather of Soul, you know, screaming his screaming his ass off and and you know in a photograph and they they had him looking all crazy, but. I wasn't the only diehard James Brown fan. There were millions of diehard James Brown fans all over the world. Some people had acted as as if I was the only James Brown fan, and I know I wasn't. But I was truly a fan. But as as, uh, the years went by, I, I was becoming less of a fan because of his behavior. You know, his behavior had really turned me off. But still in all, the music that I enjoyed, that he made, I still enjoy today. His behavior is his behavior. A jailbird, he probably should have never been let let out of jail. 
and his abusiveness towards his band members, his abusiveness towards women. I'm hearing that he was very cruel towards women, and James Brown had lots of women. I mean, I, I believe he screwed every woman in his band, all of his backup singers, he screwed them. <laughs> uh, and he beat them. He beat them mercifully. Remember Tammy Terrell? Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no mountain, blah, 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 blah. She used to be in his band before she started dating David Ruffin. She used to be in his band as a backup singer. And suddenly she became his girlfriend for some reason. I don't know. And he beat the fuck out of her. I mean, this guy, she stated that that's why she left James Brown because of the the abusiveness. She left him because of the beatings. She said that. Then after she left James Brown, she went over to David Ruffin of The Temptations. And he beat her. He beat her. So Tammy Terrell couldn't catch a break with some of these guys. And then she uh, teamed up with Marvin Gaye, and they did a couple songs, duets. And they were on stage one day, and she died in his. But the but the, my point is that James Brown is, is is they saying he's been murdered, and my thinking is well hey he's been gone twelve years I had enough I had enough time to get him out of my system I still have CDs around him around here around my studio of of James Brown the greatest hits or something like that but um, I'm truly no as of now I'm no fan of James Brown. Uh, none whatsoever. I mean, I, I've severed ties with the guys. He's dead. He's gone. He was here. Now he's gone. He did his thing. He's, you know, I'm no fan of him. But if I should hear some of his, some of his music that, that I had liked back in the day, hey, wow, it's going to bring back memories. But I'm not, I'm no fan of people who are abusive to their wives and girlfriends and and jailbirds and criminals and thugs. I'm no fan of those kinds of people. I don't care how famous they are, you know. But anyway, I just wanted to throw it out there that James Brown died 12 years ago on Christmas Day, and now they're saying that it was murder. Because one of the reasons why they think it's murder is because there was never an autopsy on his body. I'm hearing that one of his daughters didn't want that. I mean, why wouldn't you want Your father just died. You had a famous dad, a very famous dad, a rich dad. Suddenly he dies at the age of 73. You order for there not to be an autopsy to find out his actual cause of death. That's suspicious. <laughs> That's suspicious. I'm, I got a feeling we're going to hear a lot more of uh, of this. And, uh, you know, I'm you know, it caught me by surprise because I thought he was uh, laid to rest and we would hear no more about the death of James Brown, soul brother number one. Um, but apparently he, he he was murdered. Will the FBI or the local police department launch an investigation? I don't know. I don't think there's going to be too many other people saying demand a, an investigation into Mr. Brown's death. 
Oh, yeah, he loves for you to call him Mr. Brown. If you didn't call him Mr. Brown, <laughs> he'd walk out on you. You know, he didn't like to be called James. He didn't like to be called, hey there, what's up? If you didn't call him Mr. Brown, especially if you were probably uh, uh, among his entourage, he was probably uh, charge you money, you know, dock you uh, some money or something, or you owe him money or whatever. He had some weird, he had a weird, weird way, excuse me, of trying to control people. And um, yeah, well, well, I'm pretty sure there's going to, we're going to hear a lot more uh, on this in the coming days. The death of James Brown, they're now saying it was a homicide. Uh, His wife, back in 1996, she died. Now they're saying that is a homicide. So they got two deaths. Uh, in the James Brown family, including James Brown himself, to investigate, if they actually investigate. Who knows? They may say, hey, wow, it's the statute of limitations on this thing. Um, But we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I mention it because it's interesting. And to be a James Brown fan, it was was back then, back in the day, uh, it was totally, totally surprised and a shock to me to find out that he actually could have been murdered? Wow.
federal prosecutors are implicating the President of the United States in two federal crimes during the 2016 presidential campaign. The stunning new memos give us an unprecedented look into the probe and say former attorney Michael Cohen acted, I'm quoting now, at the direction of Donald Trump. When he committed campaign finance violations for hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal, but it doesn't stop there. Special counsel Robert Mueller also believes the Trump Tower project in Moscow is relevant to Russia's 2016 meddling. And it's not just a matter of Cohen lying about the timeline. All of this happening as Mueller says former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort lied about five major things, including how long he stayed in touch with White House officials after he was indicted. Mueller indicating communication was going on as recently as this year. All right, let's get right to it now. CNN politics reporter Jeremy Herb is on uh, the president being implicated in two federal crimes now. Good to see you. So what more can you tell us? Yeah, that's right, Fred. You know, this was one of the most revealing windows we've had so far into what the Mueller investigation has uncovered. And what's most significant here is that for the first time, the US, prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said that Trump directed Cohen to commit crimes during the campaign when he asked women and paid women not to speak about the alleged affairs with Trump. Now, the big looming question is, what does this mean for the president? Trump tweeted last night that the filing clears the president, but he is implicated in these crimes that Cohen committed. Now, the DOJ has not accused the president of a crime and has said that, in fact, a sitting president cannot be indicted. But this is certainly a matter that Congress is going to take up once Democrats take back the House next month. Now, in addition to the they talk about the women, uh, Friday's filings revealed that new contacts between Michael Cohen and Russians as part of the Trump Tower Moscow project early on in the campaign. And what Mueller did here was he connected the Trump Tower Moscow project, which was pursued in 2015 and into 2016, with questions about Russian election meddling, saying that Trump stood to benefit business-wise had the project gone forward and that discussions were ongoing at the same time that Russia was actively meddling in the election. Now, prosecutors recommended a substantial sentence for Cohen as part of uh, this memo last night after Cohen's attorneys had hoped that he would get no prison time and requested that on their side. Um, Cohen is facing charges of tax fraud, campaign finance violations that are tied to these payments to women, and also lying to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. He's set to be sentenced next month, Fred. All right, Jeremy Herb, thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, if you ask President Trump, um, he's free and clear. The president tweeting this morning saying this, quote, after two, and, two years and millions of pages of documents and a cost of over $30 million, no collusion. Our White House correspondent Boris Sanchez joining us right now. So, Boris, uh, what else is the White House saying about all of this? Hey there, Fred. Yeah, the White House essentially saying this is no big deal. The president, as you noted earlier today, tweeting out that there is no collusion. However, this isn't Robert Mueller's final report. These are just sentencing documents for his former campaign chairman and his former attorney. Uh, Sarah Sanders put out uh, a statement yesterday, yesterday addressing both of these filings. Uh, here's what she wrote about Michael Cohen's filing. She writes, quote, the government's filings in Mr. Cohen's case tell us nothing. Cave, cave, cavey, cave, cave. That's right, the dreaded C word so many Republicans had feared came to pass in the Rose Garden yesterday. The president caved after 35 days 
of a partial government shutdown that proved to be all pain and no gain for Trump and indeed the country. The president, with no cameras present, signed legislation last night funding the government through February 15th, ostensibly giving Congress three weeks to reach an agreement on border security or he'll do it all over again. If we don't get a fair deal from Congress, the government will either shut down on February 15th again, or I will use the powers afforded to me under the laws and the Constitution of the United States to address this emergency. The final surrender came as the polls continued to worsen for the president. The economy continued to bear the brunt of the shutdown. And perhaps the final straw? TSA, air traffic controllers, and the airlines started to show troubling signs of strain. For the latest on how it all went down on Capitol Hill, let's talk to CNN political director David Chalian. He's in Iowa for CNN's live, live town hall with Senator Kamala Harris Monday night. Okay, David, uh, we have new reporting suggesting Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, had had enough and basically told the president, you can't win this. Uh, what else do we know about how this, how this happened? Yeah, that's right, Essie. Uh, some great behind-the-scenes reporting uh, from our colleagues Dana Bash and Jim Acosta and Kevin Liptak uh, that revealed that on Thursday night, uh, Mitch McConnell had two different phone calls with the president. The first one, uh, as you're suggesting, sort of saying the gig is up here. I, you remember, S.E., on Thursday, that's when those two votes took place in yeah. the Senate. And you'll recall that the Democratic plan actually got more votes uh, than the president's plan. And, and more Republicans uh, had crossed over, not enough to actually advance that legislation, but enough to be a clear signal to Mitch McConnell, in addition to what he was hearing from his members, that the dam was about to break inside the Republican caucus, in the, the Republican conference in the Senate. And so he delivered that message to the president. Then apparently, according to our reporting, uh, the, the president was briefed about the pending air traffic situation that you just mentioned, and that this was going to be a real problem. And that's when he said, we got to pull the plug on this. The shutdown has to come to an end. And so what about Nancy Pelosi and Democrats? Any indication yet as to what they're planning to do over the next three weeks? Well, you'll recall uh, one of the things that Nancy Pelosi did successfully here throughout these 35 days of some I, it just like boggles the mind, meaningless shutdown <laughs> because the president didn't get what he wanted Anything. here. But you'll recall <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi kept her caucus completely unified on the message that we will not start negotiating until the government is open. And there were right. some Democrats in her caucus, Essie, that were getting nervous about that because they also saw how frustrated the country was becoming uh, with the shutdown. But she said, there is a plan here. Let's just mm -hmm. get the government open. So that one for her. Now comes that part where she said, then we'll talk. She was yeah. asked very specifically yesterday if indeed in three weeks they're going to pass a, a a DHS funding bill that will have wall money. She didn't say no. She said, have I not made my position on the wall clear? We know she's not in favor of it, but it certainly seems a, a lot of Democrats talked about in advance of the government opening some plan to get $5 billion of border security, not wall funding, but more mm -hmm. border security into this bill uh, to make it perhaps enticing to President Trump to sign. Uh, it sounds like perhaps that's where Democrats are, are heading into these negotiations. Wow. Uh, the next three weeks are going to be really, really fascinating to watch. David Chalian, thanks so yeah. much for joining me tonight. Thank you. Okay, so now what? Well, the clock is ticking. We have 20 days, 
20 days until America faces another possible shutdown or maybe even a national emergency. 20 days to hope some kind of deal can be reached. But also, and maybe even more alarmingly, 20 days to find out if President Trump can learn how to govern. That's a crash course for sure, but that's essentially where we're at. Can Trump figure out how not to repeat his past mistakes? Too sweet. Or will he just wait for Nancy Pelosi to, you know, back the car up and, and run over him again? Here's the deal. We just learned that without Republicans' total control of Congress to bolster Trump's unpopular policies and weaken his checks on his authority, he's little more than an empty suit. The moment Democrats took control of the House, he was proven utterly ineffective, powerless to bend Democrats and Senate Republicans or lagging poll numbers to his whim. His powers of persuasion and his tweets, his idle threats, none of it was enough, of course, to move Democrats. By shutting down the government, Trump finally got the lesson he never had to learn in his first two years in office. The executive and the legislative branches of government must work together. Trump thought he stood on an island of executive authority, and Republicans often let him. He should have been, in that time, building coalitions in Congress, finding out where the pockets of support and areas of compromise were, laying out a clear agenda that Republican leadership could trust would be there if they backed it and then listening to the American people instead of only Fox News between the hours of 6 to 9 in the morning and 8 to 11 at night. Now, to be fair, other presidents have found coalition building in Congress difficult. LBJ, Bill Clinton were masters at it. Nixon and Obama, not so much. But that's the job, and Republicans did Trump no favors in allowing him to skip out on this essential lesson in governing. And Pelosi just schooled him in it. So President Trump now has... 20 days to learn how to be president. I, for one, am rooting for him. All right, to help me look at what the next three weeks may bring, let me bring in my guest, CNN political analyst, Republican strategist, Alice Stewart, and former comms director for the Clinton White House, Joe Lockhart. Joe, I start with you, your boss, Bill Clinton. Knew how to build these coalitions. Famously worked with Newt Gingrich across the aisle on numerous significant pieces of legislation, Sometimes, um, you know, to the uh, detriment of Democrats, but he did it. Can Trump and Democrats in Congress work together? Or are both sides sort of too entrenched? Well, in theory, they can. And and I think you're right, President Clinton. One of our most productive legislative years was 1996 during a re-election. It was a divided Congress. We did uh, some health care. We raised the minimum wage. So it can be done. A couple of things have to happen, though. Uh, Trump has to stop thinking about, I only govern for my base, is one. The rest of the country doesn't matter. That's 65% of the country that he has excluded from from governing. He's also got, they've also got to build some trust. Mm. Um, They, Trump and Democrats. Yeah, and I I think, and and Trump and Republicans. I mean, Mm. he pulled the rug out of Republicans 35 days ago. And the third thing, and, and I think this is the most important, He's got to start. He's got to start dealing in real facts, uh-huh. not pretend. Mm. He keeps talking about emergencies that aren't emergencies, mm. and it makes it very difficult for Democrats. You know, for instance, if you listen to him yesterday, the messaging makes no sense. If this was indeed a national emergency, 
Well, why didn't he declare it mm -hmm. and use the powers that he says he has? No, he's sitting on it. Right. He's you don't sit on an emergency. And there, isn't, right. there is not an emergency at the border. Alice, do you think that Trump learned the right lessons from the past 35 days? We will find that out in the next 20 days, yeah. without a doubt. And I think there are several things here. The, the fallout from this, we had his hard base and the left say he caved. Conservatives and Republicans say he compromised. The president in the White House says this was an opportunity, an opportunity for them to learn if Democrats are serious about border security. The next well, 20 days, you mean? Exactly. Yeah, right. And so this is his time. Yeah. This is his time to, to demonstrate that. And I agree with you. He's supposed to be the, the deal maker, and a shutdown yeah. with nothing to show for it is probably not a chapter in the art of the deal. And what we're going to have here, first of all, this week will be like Groundhog Day. Republicans and Democrats will sit down in Washington, and Republicans will say, we want $5.7 billion, we'll give you uh, protections for DACA yeah. and TPS, and uh, a few of these other yeah. uh, things they threw in there, carrots they threw in there, and Democrats will say no. Um, we can't have that. They have to realize they have to have a conversation to move this down. The what field. will Democrats do? Will they negotiate? Yeah, I think they will, oh, but sorry, I think they'll negotiate on border security. Sorry, folks. I have to cut in. Something just came across my screen, and we just have to talk about it. Um, this is the Trump campaign. They're saying, send us $1, and we'll scroll your name during the State of the Union live stream. What the hell? They want the American people who will be watching the State of the Union to send them $1. The, the Trump campaign want us, the Americans, people, the American people, to send them $1 so we can see our name scrolled across the screen, the screen while he's do, giving the State of the Union. In other words, they're begging for money. They're finding a way to – and I have been hearing this a lot, that Donald Trump needs – he's trying to uh, raise money to run uh, in 2020. He needs money to run, and he's trying to – at every avenue, avenue, he's trying to – excuse me, folks. I don't feel too well. Uh, raise money. Raise money. And this I just had to cut in on you guys, so – you'll know that <laughs> this is very serious. Wow, this is this is crazy. President Trump re-election campaign sought sought to cash in on the money. He everything he, he uses everything for money. He's using the state of the union for money. Wow. President Donald Trump re-election campaign sought to cash in on the state of the union address tonight with a fundraising pitch at bargain prices that dropped during the day. After initially asking donors to send at least $35 in exchange for having their name scrolled, uh, during, uh, he, first he wanted $35. He, they dropped it down to a dollar during a live stream of the president's speech. Uh, the Trump campaign later sent out an email solicitation saying only $1 would do. Whether it's $1 or $35, this is insane. This is somebody who is desperate for money, uh, trying to make money any way he can. This may be illegal. You know, we're here, we will hear about it tomorrow. But this may be illegal. Uh, 
even if you choose uh, to only give $1, the proof of your support will send shockwaves around the world as they will see every American who proudly stands behind the president, our president, a, a sign pitched by the president's son, Eric Trump. Trump criminals. Wow. The fundraising technique is raising eyebrows from ethics watchdogs. Yeah, I'm thinking it's something wrong. Is something ethical wrong with this, or it is criminal? And uh, this is the kind of stuff that keeps Bob Mueller, Robert Mueller, working overtime because Trump or his family is always they're always giving him something new to look at that could be criminal. <laughs> Donald Trump is uh, commercializing and corrupting yet another national institution. He sure is. Uh, this is crazy, uh, making this just the latest disgraceful uh, uh, by Trump, excuse me, by Trump and the presidency and our public institutions. Wow. I have never heard of such a thing like this. Man, it is so it 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 is a no class money grubbing misuse of the State of the Union. Donald Trump, <laughs> excuse me for laughing, folks, but this is funny. Donald Trump comes up with some more shit that Mueller is gonna have to investigate. No no wonder Mueller can't get through with this investigation. It's taking him so long. Donald Trump keeping him material to investigate. You know, I mean, if he comes up with something, say, oh, we're done with this. Oh, no, no, no. Donald Trump's just done something else. We got we to gotta check that out. We got to investigate that. In a, solic- in a solicitation, Donald Trump campaign asked supporters to make a special State of the Union contribution to have your name broadcast on the official Donald date. Oh, blah, 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 blah. This is all so criminal. And I just had to cut in on you folks because this is just crazy i'm i know the i know the folks on facebook they're gonna go wild this is crazy donald trump is i can't even say the word i'm so sick i'm sorry he's begging for money put it that way begging for donations money and he's using the state of the union to do it i think the last time he asked for money he was on television and and in the oval office with uh nancy and chuck and he was asking for money then. He's a billionaire. Can he fund his own campaign re-election? I mean, most billionaires do. I mean, we have a, we have a J.B. Prisker here in Illinois. He's he funded his own campaign. It was successful. You know, he won, right? So I'm thinking Donald Trump is broke. I mean, he has to be broke if he's begging for one dollar. During the State of the Union uh, address, and a lot of people are already calling foul. This is something else. I I, I couldn't believe this when I was uh, reading it and going across uh, trying to figure out if this is real. It's real. It's coming from the USA Today website, and this is a you know pretty decent and uh, truthful uh, website, media website. Yeah, so Donald Trump <laughs> I'm gonna have a field day in my book. I'm I'm doing a book on Donald Trump. I'm calling it the slime of Donald Trump because it is slime. Everything this guy does is slimy and criminal, unethical. 
And when you think about it, so many people have been going to jail around Donald Trump. So many people have been going to jail that are in or were in his inner circle. And you're wondering why isn't Donald Trump being indicted? Because these guys and girls who have gone to jail, who have gone to prison, they acted at the direction of Donald Trump. They acted at the direction of Donald Trump. All right, someone is saying Donald Trump called Biden dumb. <laughs> uh, Donald Trump um, and his name calling is never is never uh, it, n- it never stops. His name calling, his diminishing of the presidency of the United States never stops. This guy's the worst president ever. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, uh, I, if if you are a uh, uh, Republican out there and you love Donald Trump, uh, you're entitled. But uh, I don't love Donald Trump. I never did. Don't love Donald Trump. And uh, I'm not a person who anybody's ass. Period. I never have been that kind of person. I do what I do, and I love what I do. And I don't kiss nobody's ass to to, to uh, do anything. Uh, this is just awful. Begging for money during the State of the Union address. He's taking another institution down to the ground. Wow, this is just... Mm. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to put this in my book. Uh, because this is a new low for Donald Trump and the Republicans. Wow, one dollar. At first they were asking for thirty-five dollars. Uh, now they're asking for one dollar to show your support for Donald Trump as he's giving his speech. One buck. One buck. Wow, President Donald Trump's re-election campaign sought to cash in on the State of the Union address with fundraising with a fundraising pitch at bargain prices that dropped during the day so so he basically he wanted to give this uh state of the union address to to ask for money to ask for cash he has some nerve <laughs> he has a lot of nerve because a lot of people has left this campaign a lot of people who were Republicans and conservatives, they're not Republicans and conservatives anymore. So he may not get one cent. Uh, I'm thinking that Donald Trump is expecting money from billionaires. He's expecting billionaires to give him money to run for reelection, like the, like uh, the owner of the uh, Patriots who has praised him. He's asking for one dollar, but he knows people are not going to give him one dollar. That's that's embarrassing. He may have counted three hundred and fifty Americans in in, <laughs> in the United States. That's three hundred and fifty dollars, right? If everybody gave a dollar, right? To some, to you know, you know what I'm talking about. To some effect of what what I just said, if it's true at all, I haven't done my research on that, but ah. Uh, uh, it says, even if you choose to give $1, the proof of your support will send shockwaves around the world. You give $1, and all, suddenly 
by giving one dollar, they want all your information. Mmm, a scam. Sounds like a scam to me, you know. Uh, and this would ensure that every American probably stands behind our president. Our president, not my president. This guy, this guy is not my president. Donald Trump is, and a lot of people, millions of Americans are saying that he's not my president. Wow. The Trump family never ceases to amaze Americans. Americans, this is going to be one hot topic after this is over. This is going to be one hot topic. This guy is begging for money, a dollar. And other people out there probably saying, so what? What's wrong with that? Well, the idiots are saying that, right? It's a lot. It's a lot wrong with that. You don't use the state of the union to beg for money from people who don't like you. You don't do that. You don't take it down to the sewer. He, t- every, he takes everything to the sewer. This guy. Wow, this is just This is unbelievable.
Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air, folks. We're going to have to change that. And uh, sitting, in the, sitting in my studio, my beautiful studio, my wonderful studio in the city of Chicago, it is uh, – last week it was – we were freezing our asses off here, folks. It, we, were really, we really were. And, uh, but it's okay now. It's cold. It's winter. But, you know, it's not that biting cold like it was. Uh, they were talking about 50 below zero. It's pretty cool out there now, but, uh, you know, it's winter. It's going to be winter, but we don't have to freeze our asses off. Uh, uh, they're saying it's going to be a lot of rain, <laughs> a lot of ice, frozen ice. Uh, that can be dangerous, too. Frozen ice can be really, really dangerous because when you're out there, the rush hour, uh, morning rush hour, evening rush hour, you, you have to be careful when you're walking to the train, walking to your car, walking to the bus, anywhere, uh, because uh, the roads and the sidewalks will be totally, totally, really, really slippery. So that's what we, they say we should be expecting in the city of Chicago is uh, uh, ice, rain freezing into ice. Uh, so everybody out there, be careful if you're in the city of Chicago. Uh, and in other places around the country, if you're having that cold and freezing rain and ice is just all over the place when you're stepping out, be careful you don't slip on your ass and fall. Uh, uh, and I do mean that. I do mean be careful uh, because it's going to be out there. This is a so far. This has been a hellified winter. This has been. Uh, 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 at least in the city of Chicago and, and in some places around the Midwest, it has been really, really, really horrible. <laughs> it's not over yet, folks. And I'm still thinking about Donald Trump begging for money, <laughs> soliciting money while he's giving the State of the Union address. That's got to be something. I mean, you don't fundraise while you are uh, giving the State of the Union, and I agree with some other people, some other politicians, uh, people, that he's this is another institution that he's taking, he's raking over the coals. He he cares nothing about monuments. He cares nothing about the sacred institutions that we have here and around America. If he if he can find a way to make a buck with it, he that's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. Wow. Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We'll be back here tomorrow, folks. Hopefully, I'll be feeling a little bit better. And we can get this thing on the road as we've gotten it so far. And hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope you enjoyed. I may have, uh, we were supposed to have a guest today. Uh, and if she's listening, she can always uh, reschedule. Uh, it was just so many things going on today that is some something slipped my mind. But, uh, I mean, if she... What was her name? Um, Nicole Childster. Okay, Nicole, if you're listening, uh, reschedule, and we can get this thing done. Uh, if you want to reschedule, it's up to you. All right, everybody, I want to say bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you tell all the people about the George Wilder Jr. Show and how good it is and how you <laughs> great you like it and how it's so non-Donald Trump. Bye-bye, everybody. Heaven help the girl